coming up on the Town Tailgate podcast, our first one of the new year. Yeah. Um, after watching today's a very successful Nickelodeon NFL playoff game broadcast, we uh, were uh, very excited to ask some friends about how they think MO- the Major League Baseball could uh, could do one their own, and they gave us some suggestions, so we share that with you. And unfortunately, we get into some very somber news. Uh, talk about the passing of the uh, great Dodgers manager, Tommy Lasorda, um, Sandra Scully, the wife of Vin Scully, and of course, Phil Necro, the uh, knuckleball extraordinaire. Then Julio, what do we get into for the hot stove? Yep, just like how Lil Wayne's classic album, The Block is Hot, The Stove is Hot. That's right, we got some major trades going down. San Diego Padres are not playing. They equip with a couple of aces and with a foreign star from South Korea. But also, don't forget about those Mets with their brand new owner. They made a huge trade for Francisco Lindor. And the we, biggest trade of the offseason. This easily. biggest trade of the offseason so far. And we're going to close it out. Of course, this is an A's podcast at the end of the day. We're going to talk some A's news. We had a couple guys leaving free agency. But, of course, we lost one of the biggest parts of the A's organization of the last 20 years, beat writer Susan Slusser heading across the bridge and joining the San Francisco Giants as their beat writer. Beat writer. That's right, folks. We have a couple Oakland, former Oakland great Hall of Fame inductees to do in this episode. So stay tuned, and here it goes. Yeah. Um, apparently Nickelodeon is getting into the sports broadcasting game, um, business, um, because today, uh, which was kind of a full sports day, I watched a NFL playoff game on Nickelodeon, uh, which was pretty fun and different. And it was um, awesome. It, it, it was cool and it taught, it brought me back to my childhood, but I also rolled my eyes the entire game because they're trying to explain football to me. And as an adult. I understand it very well, but and I, I just you have to get through those moments. Remember, this is for children, so uh, there's that. Um, but the rest of it was so good; it was so great. Um, welcome to the Town Tailgate. I'm Chris Madrigal. That, that's Julio Renault. So, what up? So, Julio, did you watch the whole game on Nick, Nick, or did you watch part of it? I watched. Uh, I didn't realize how much of a pain in the ass to actually find a streaming service for Nickelodeon because they don't actually stream from, because I have an Apple TV. I don't have a cable or anything. They don't actually have an yeah. app you can stream it from. The Nickelodeon app just oh, replays it. So like I had a chase down to find, eventually shout out to Jorge Martinez, my brother Andrew's brother-in-law gave me his login mm-hmm. for YouTube TV and I was able to watch it through there. But dude, oh, it was nice. fun. It was fun. I think if the yeah. point was, this is a way to introduce football to kids or younger people. Um, this is the way to do it. I don't know if they actually watched because to me it was more for like dudes our age and people our age who were just like, oh, SpongeBob yeah. or stoners who were like high at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. It was awesome. And like when, I, when my statement from the beginning of the podcast was obviously a massive, like sarcastic take. <laughs> like I don't actually feel that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had fun watching it. I had only planned to watch the first half. 
Um, and then I ended up watching the entire game on yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, and if you, I, I found okay. that I just honestly I just found that Noah Eagles, um, Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson's commentary was just refreshing, as opposed Nate to the same is old. So like, good, dude! I can't wait till he gets like a full opportunity in broadcasting. I don't. Th- yeah. So they've tested him out on a bunch of different stuff. Like he did the AAF for a little bit, and he's like subbed in a couple times, and he's really good. And I think they know he's really good, but he's also really good in face on television as like one of the faces of the football league. Good morning football. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they really want to expose him. They're trying to expose him that way by, you know, yeah, he does good morning football. And also he does the Fox uh, NFL, um, NFL Today show. So it's like they're just trying to, you know, they have their stars kind of like at the NBA or something. And they want to really like put those broadcast stars like in your face. So I think that's why he doesn't do games because then you're not getting – you're getting a small dose of him every week, you know, as opposed to a large exposure. But he's really good. He's really good at breaking down the game. He explained it perfectly, I think, for kids, like doing a lot of like playground um, um, analogies the, and stuff like that, which are the are Taysom kind of Hill analogy kind of, was fucking ten out of yeah. ten. He's like Taysom Hill is like yeah. the kid on the playground who can do everything. He's really good at kickball. He's really good at tag. Like, dude, that was not chef's kiss. It was great. Perfect. Job. It it was perfect and. I was texting my uncle about this. So it seemed successful and it seemed like it blew up on Twitter, but it seemed that way to millennials who don't have kids um, that it was great and it was a great success. I don't know how kids actually reacted to it today. I don't know anybody who has kids that watched it. My uncle's the only one who has kids and his kids are kind of too old for it. They're in their teenagers, so they definitely didn't watch it or care to watch that. So I have no idea how it affected that. Kurt Warner um tweeted something like a hilarious tweet a picture of his son his 30 year old son watching football <laughs> and it said uh i've been trying to get my son to watch football with me for years um so i want to do a big shout out or for years and he's never been able to do or wanted to sit down and watch on sundays so big shout out to nickelodeon for finally getting um some quality father-son time and we watched the full game today together and it's just like a guy 30 year old guy just standing there like eyes glued to to the tv it's it's hilarious. It, it's yeah. it's yeah. So if you didn't watch and just want a quick Which lowdown, also made me realize how old Kurt Warner is. That motherfucker is like he's old. I Jesus, think he has he's a thirty-year-old son. Yeah. Well, think about it. He was already pretty old or older when he was on the when Rams. He played team. In the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Because he, he played like, he played a lot of uh, Canadian football. Was that it? Or no, arena football. Yeah. yeah so he was probably like in his early thirties or late. Okay, then we know. Let's not worry about the math. Anyways. If you didn't yeah. watch, a uh, quick summary of what the game was. Pretty much a uh, regular football game, but by Nickelodeon styling. So if a team scored a touchdown, they had uh, animated slime cannons in the end zone. Or like if, and when, if a team was going lining up for a field goal, then the field goal post was SpongeBob's face. So really yeah. silly, really over the top. It was super entertaining. Pretty much, this the first down I, marker line was was like was a orange a line, slime like line, slime like 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 going up and down, like animated in it, yeah, and yeah, and they did if like you were on- when they would do uh, when they would do highlights like like replays, they would put like fun like animation, like like if when 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 Drew Brees was throwing the ball, they put like little animated wind behind the ball, mm-hmm. like while it's in the air and stuff like that, and yeah. And if you were on Twitter when this was going on, a lot of people were talking about other sports, how it would work for other sports. And um, I, from our Twitter account, I actually tweeted like, uh, "Fucking Dallas Braden would kill it 
in one of these broadcasts. And he actually replied to us saying, he's like, like, you know it. Like, you know, I would like to just go. Oh, fa- he said facts. So yeah. uh, we want to open the show. Something a little more fun. Chris, we're going to have a few couple of these. We have some from our own suggestion and some from friends of the show yeah. that we texted. Uh, Chris, lead us off. How would you nickify an A's game? Well, first off, um, whatever that game would be, like, let's say it's opening day for the A's on on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, I would get a crew in, in there at the stadium weeks ahead of time to just do it up to make it look like Gerald Field from uh, <laughs> 100%. Like, I would I would have, like, I would have, like, actually, you know, you know which stadium would work perfectly for that would be um, – uh, Fenway Park. So you remember in in Hay Arnold and Gerald Field, Gerald Field, they um, um, against the building wall. Because for those of you who didn't watch Hay Arnold, in one episode they had a vacant lot in the middle of the city because Hay Arnold takes place in the middle of a city, and they they turn it into a baseball field, and that was the baseball field for the show whenever they would play. And on the wall in right field, they marked, they put lines, and it said like single if it goes above this line. Double if it goes below this line, and then like home run. They could do that on the Green Monster, which I think would be hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, and then like just I don't know other things like that, and um, just kind of really like buy into the theme of, of that episode of Hey Arnold, which is like one of my favorite. So all right, see, okay, so here's my Hey Arnold suggestion. Okay. Whenever there's a mound visit from the opposing team, so there's there's gonna be two different mound visits. When it's the home team, so when Belmo's on the mound and he goes for a mound visit and he calls in his pitcher. Wanda and Cosmo from Fairly Odd Parents are going to show up and they're going to be like calling in like the pitcher. That would like, be actually hella funny. But when the opposing team is on the mound and they're taking a longer time on the mound than usual, you're yeah. going to start hearing the chant from Hey Arnold, Stoop kid, afraid to leave the stoop. <laughs> uh, and just shame him. I feel, yeah, I just shame like, teaching. I don't know if that's teaching a good lesson though, dude. Um, to kids. For kids, I don't know. But <laughs> my, yeah, um, yeah. my other favorite suggestion I thought of was whenever there's like a web gem style play, because if you don't know, uh, Nick Loading airs the Ninja Turtles now. Mm-hmm. We just get a Cowabunga! Yeah, that would be actually Home run cool. robbing. You just see Leonardo just strike down with Ramon in the background. <laughs> uh, and before we get to the other ones, I just want to say one thing. Uh, shout out to Ian Eagle's son, Noah Eagle, who did it today. He's only like 25 years old. He crushed the broadcast too, by the way. He brought some swag. He was he also awesome. Brought, he was really yeah, good. He also brought, brought some uh, – it felt very like professional, like I was watching a normal game. All right, so we reached out to some people. I know we reached out to Ronnie, right? So Ronnie yeah. had a couple suggestions for us. Ronnie's suggestions – well, this was the pretty common one when we reached out to everybody. I think we're all in the same boat. Home run slimes. Yeah. There was a picture oh, yeah. going around online of Fernando, Fernando Tatis with animated slimes by him when he had home run. Mm-hmm. Hella tight. Keep it. Um, if they do a walk-off, they should have to get slimed. for sure. Oh, 1,000%. Instead of pied. Uh, but he went a little bit overboard. Pretty much everybody's getting slimed. We're just going to slime the outfielders for no reason. So I'd imagine if there's an error, slime it, whatever. Yeah. Um, and also, he was a big fan of Lex. They on, I saw you guys were having a Twitter conversation about Lex. He was doing the on-air um, Lex was great, dude. Yeah. He's like, just get my boy Lex in there. Uh, yeah. We got our homegirl, Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh, she wants a burrito gun. A burrito gun. Burrito I gun. Which, I don't if know you're how the, that relates to Nickelodeon at all. I don't care. That, Thanks, it's zany. It's over the top. It's fun. Yeah. And, and she's like, I don't know. I've just been thinking about burrito guns. I think that's a really stu- like perfect. Hell yeah. It's zany. It's over the top. Yeah. Um, and then of course our dude, Rich Ladder from the town from, uh, 
our our four group trains. chat the four train savages or we have a group chat with the four of us called the four train tailgate but anyways um he also suggested slime so it looks like yeah. everybody's a huge fan of the slime sean payne post game got slimed as a promise um, yeah that was pretty cool yeah it'd be a lot of fun but you know that. what uh baseball hates fun so that's never gonna happen yeah, and you know, uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, we gotta move on. So one last thing about this on Twitter, Danny Vietti, great follow by the way. If any, if any of you don't follow him, he's a sports writer or a baseball writer for CBS Sports. Um, does a lot of social media stuff. He was the one who created the the social media like March Madness bracket for like best like Twitter follow or social media follow in um, in baseball. Um, he made a video and like kind of talked about it, and he, and he made a really good point. Um, you know. A lot of people, some people hate on the NFL for like kind of reaching too much and trying to like reach uh, different types of audiences today. You know, some of them may have been successful, some of them not. I think the Nickelodeon one, there's potential for it. Um, one thing that, you know, baseball is losing is um, a youth um, growth. Um, and I think that this would be a good way to expand that because, you know, baseball can be a confusing sport to learn. Um, especially when you're a kid and you're just sitting out in left field and you're, maybe you're not the best player on your, on your team in peanut league and sitting out in left field and you're just there for six innings and you kind of don't really know what's going on. This is a great way to like be interactive and really learn and learn from someone who, who's knowledgeable and can like educate that to you in a really uh, simplistic way. Um, and it could be a good way to, um, bridge the bond between, you know, father and son, which is like a great, you know, tradition and stuff like that. So it's like, you're sitting there. You're listening to Dallas Braden uh, uh, teach you like the underlyings of of uh, strategy of uh, you know what this pitcher is trying to do in a simplistic way, and then you know you have your father sitting right next to you who can also kind of give you some insight too. So anyway, uh, he posted that video today. I go check it out. It's uh, really interesting, and he has a really good take on it. Last thought, you know, it's another good way to kind of bring back baseball for youth. Hmm. Bring back having more baseball. leagues. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I can um, agree more with So that. the next thing, we're doing our news. Uh, Chris and I were kind of talking over the last couple of weeks in terms of how we want to – we were looking at doing some restructuring of the show because in the off season, we don't have a lot to talk about. So it kind of just goes a little too far or in terms of uh, the length of show. I'm like, we totally get it. So, and also, Julio, like, like kind of like you said, we're going into a new season, so we talked yeah. about some new changes yeah, for yeah. the new season for the, when season picks up and we have the weekly podcast. We got it. Right? We got to stay fluid, my guy. Yeah. So we're gonna our new segment for the news. We're only gonna stick to three stories, and we're gonna be naming it the Big Three. That's right. After our dudes, a lot of excitement um, there, but unfortunately, we're leading off with something not exciting. And that's for just for the national news. Um, so first one on the Big Three this week. Uh, Julio, unfortunately, we have to start with this, but um, you know it's pretty big news. Um, Tommy Tommy Lasorda passed away this week um, at the age of 93. Former um, Los Angeles Dodgers um, manager, probably the greatest manager in the history of their franchise, I would say. Um, yeah, I it's unfortunate. He was kind of the um, the old school, I would say, face of that team. You know, whenever. You know, when they made their playoff runs the past few years, every time um, they would flash back to those 1980s teams, um, you know, because they always do that. They always like to remind you of history. Um, Lasorda was always involved in that. He was always at the games. He's, you know, ever since he retired, he's been a big fan. He goes to almost every game. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's some interesting videos of him online, too. You can watch him beat up the Philly Fanatic, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's some ace ties, too, Julio. I mean, I know you you were interested in, in showing yeah. that. Uh, of course, he beat the A's in the 88 World Series. Yeah. So they're always going to be kind of paired together in that way. But uh, shout out to Vince Contronio because he was actually the person that tweeted and brought it to my attention. He was a part. He was on the A's. He was actually a part of the Kansas City A's in 1956. He was a lefty. And uh, if you actually look at his pitching stats, he wasn't that good. But yeah. what made him a great player uh, was he eventually was in the Canadian leagues. And that's where he kind of learned more about coaching and all that. But 23 years as a coach in the Dodgers organization, he spent three years as a, a third base coach. And then for 20 years, he was their manager. And it's not just, obviously we're in LA, so it's a little bit of a bias with seeing, you know, the city lit up blue in his honor. Um, but it, he was just a character in baseball. He was one, like, we talked about how great he was as a manager, but he was so loose. He was so much fun. There was a quote where it's like, you know, when he he was your best friend and when you were doing the right things and he was also like your worst enemy when you were fucking up. Yeah. Uh, my biggest memory of him is still, I think, was at the 2001-2002 All-Star game when Vladdy Guerrero was at bat and his uh, bat flew out of his hands when Lasorda was on third base coach and he fell mm-hmm. over. And, you know, that's the thing. He he knows, he knew comedy. So he knew yeah, what he was yeah, doing yeah. with that. Like the role, like yeah, that was perfect fall and roll. 100%. And, and the Philly Fanatic thing was obviously probably a setup bit beforehand. But uh, uh, yeah, he, um, I, it's funny, Julio, I was at a, I was in Manhattan Beach yesterday, like hanging out with a friend and um, we were, went to go grab some to-go drinks and we went to this bar called Obie's. Walked in, grabbed a beer and waited for the bartender to pour me my beer and First thing we instantly started talking about, I think he saw that I had like a a sports sweater on and he like brought up Lasorda and then we were just like talking about him and just like, yeah, it's so sad, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he was alive to see them win the World Series this year because we know how involved he's been and how vocal he's been about wanting these 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 teams the past few years to win. So that was that's at least he passed away seeing that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh. I don't, yeah, so, I don't have anything more to say about um, it. So Hall of Famer and two-time World Series winner, by yeah, the way. Of course. Uh, I wrote, so there's a Tommy Lasorda baseball game uh, for Sega Genesis. Awesome. And the thing, video game history thing, I'll make it brief. When Sega was trying to take over the American market that Nintendo had, they knew probably one of the best ways to do it was through sports titles because, like, there wasn't a really established sports title that was in the U.S. at that time. Yeah. And Sega capitalized on it. So that's why they came out with Tommy Lasorda Baseball, Joe Montana Football. Um, I think there's like a Jack or like an Arnold Palmer golf game. Mm. Um, and he was one of the first. He was the, the face of a baseball game. And because yeah. of that is why we Madden happened and all these other sports say, franchises. Were, were they the ones who created John Madden Football too? The no, this was just okay. I want to be shocked if people from that project left and did Madden for yeah. EA back in the late eighties. But um, yeah, it, his name was a part of something that really is a kind of an important part of sports video games too. So yeah, huge history. Um, sad to see him leave, but you know, he lived a long life, had a lot of great accomplishments. It wasn't the only sadness that has happened from uh, Dodger town. 
uh, Sandra Scully, the wife of Vince Scully, passed away. We don't have too much to talk about with her, but we just want to give our condolences for the family as well as Dodger Nation. Um, I can only imagine how Vin is feeling with the loss of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's more. Uh, we had another Hall of Famer pass away. Yeah, heads up. It's going to be a very uh, 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 disappointing, not disappointing, but somber. Very, uh, yeah, somber. On top of this week, on top of the hell that us as a country has been through this last week, this also yeah. happened. Um, Phil Negro, eighty-one years old, Hall of Fame pitcher, passed away. The original uh, knuckleballer, knuckleballer, ladies and yep. gentlemen. Dude pitched until he was forty-eight years old. 318 you can wins. Do, dude, you can do that with a knuckleball because you don't have to throw it fast. Like, remember R.A. Dickey pitched till he was like 45? Like, it was insane. Tim Wakefield pitched for a long time. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, though. Um, there are always, it happens every time, at least in our lifetimes, when a knuckleballer comes around. They'll have it for a year or two. And that's it. That's it. People learn how to figure it out. The fact that he pitched for 48 years. Is yeah. pretty incredible um, as a knuckleball yeah, I mean, pitcher. There, are, there's plenty of knuckleball pitchers who who like dabbled in it for a little bit, but like a true like straight up knuckleball pitcher, like who throws eighty percent knuckleball pitches, which you know him Wakefield and R. A. Dickey did. Those guys do last a long time. Like all those guys played long careers and were successful for long careers. Um. Yeah, I mean, Phil, I mean, like I said, he's the one who made the knuckleball popular. He's the reason why there were Tim Wakefields and R.A. Davis. Because yeah. they were yeah. like, wait, there's this pitch that exists? I can do it? If you ever want to watch the the Netflix documentary Knuckleball, um, he is like kind of the main character of that because he made it famous. Um, all right, Julio, what's the last? Yeah, no more, no more somberness. Uh, we're going to get some sh- straight-up controversy right now. Yeah. Uh, the Angels have fired... Or there is a lawsuit happening between the Angels and one of their uh, former clubhouse manager by the name of Brian Bubba Harkins. That's he was happening. the visitor clubhouse manager, though, right? Uh, yes, visiting clubhouse manager. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But long story short, he is suing the team because there's al- he has put allegations. Or is he suing the team? There's a- Anyways. He pretty much what's happening is he has named names that there have been pitchers who've been using illegal substances to help change the motion of the ball when it comes out of their hands. Who are some of these pitchers? Uh, let well, me let me hold on. Let me yeah. clarify and simplify that for yeah, the listeners a little bit because that could be misconstrued as doing steroids. No, that means that there are pitchers who like to use like lotion or like have like baby oil. Um, that they like to rub on their fingers so they can get certain types of grips on the ball. That's what we're, not like, not like, so cheating, um, in that way, not cheating in like, um, health ways. Uh, no, 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 I just, you know, you said it great. I just want to make sure. No, no, I know. Totally. Appreciate it. Cause, Cause we're about uh, to start it, naming it, it, names and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to name names and people are just like, what did he, he did steroids? And be like, Oh no, 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 At no, the no, same no. time though, I'm glad you stopped me because I was trying to pull up the names in front of me. Yeah, uh, but yeah. some of the people who he has named uh, from the Angels organization, we have Troy Percival, so part of the 2002 World Series team. Current mm-hmm. pitchers, including Cambridge Rosen, uh, uh, Kyan Middleton, Matt Adrizzi, Dylan Bundy, who had a huge year last year. And unfortunately, one of our guys, Yusmira Petit. But that's not, those are the small fish. 
Some of the other players that he's alleging who have done this have included Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Felix Hernandez, Corey Kluber, Edwin Jackson, another Oakland, (laughs) and Adam Wainwright. Um, Now, there is nothing that's really a part of baseball's rules and regulations when it comes, or there is stuff, there is like banning of foreign substances, but it is very, um, for lack of better words, lenient. Am I wrong? No, 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 you're not. We've seen um, guys who have the pine tar on the hat all the time. Guys who have pine tar or a grip on the back of their jerseys and that they'll get a little bit on there. It's always been a thing. Um, but it's pretty, how do you feel about it? Because it's very divisive, especially with, I think we're kind of hot in the wake of the Astros allegations. Mm-hmm. Like how, what's your initial thoughts about all this? There's going to be a lot of listeners who listen to this and are going to listen to my take and they're going to be like, Chris is such a fucking hypocrite um, because of the way he feels about steroid uses and steroid players and not being in the Hall of Fame. And we all know, especially the listeners of this podcast, especially you, know that I'm very anti-steroid era. Anti-steroids, they don't belong. They're cheaters and they don't belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't know, man. This, I can't get behind too much with that take, in my opinion. Like, it's just like... I think if you're caught in the act, like what? Who was that pitcher a couple years ago who got caught in the act? Um, it was in his glove. Um, oh, shit. Torn his glove or something like that. I forgot. Um, then yeah, you should get thrown out of the game, and and that's that. But like, I don't know. I mean, I I think uh, Major League kind of said it best is like the old dude who uses like Vagisil and like, um, um powder and stuff like that and he has it like on different parts of his body and he's like i'm i'm pushing 40 like i need i need every little thing i can to to put as much as i can on the ball um it's an advantage i guess um i'm not too crazy about like um i i, I don't know i mean what are you gonna do you're gonna you're gonna <clears throat> suspend justin verlander because some dude said this like at I don't know. I just, I'm not, I don't really care, to be honest with you. That's probably the best way I can explain it. I just don't give a shit at the end. I mean, anything that can help ruin Justin Verlander's (laughs) image more, I'm all in. So that's why I'm I'm in the board of like, you know what? Throw the buck at him. Got a thing. But yeah, it's it's the reality of baseball. This has always been a part of it. It's always going to be a part of it when even something as simple as a a rosin bag is going to change the effect of how the ball is going to be coming out of a hand. Uh, Bolsonaro actually put out a pretty good tweet. It was very get off my lawnish, but yeah. he had said it needs to be said again and again. In just about every game during the season, you can see some pitchers applying foreign substances on the mound. Everybody under the MLB umbrella can see it. Execs, players, umps. This is not news. It's been going on for a long, long time. See, this He's is also wrong. kind of a hip- hypocritical opinion again for me. It's like I didn't like his tone on that. It, it feels very much like the rule, the unwritten rules of baseball type of feel. Get off my lawny. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's always it's it's just the reaction. Because look, if you think about it, look at other sports too. If you look at football, look how long um, Stickum has been a part of football it, it's not uh, it's not as bad as it was in the 70s with fred belitnikoff and all those dudes 
there's mm-hmm. still a little bit of those aspects to left. Um, think about drawing thousand footballs. Fo- think about drawing thousand basketball. Look how much yeah. hate we put on James Harden for his style of playing and pretty much now Trey Young because he's doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you can wait, actually hear that take on the uh, basketball brunch podcast. On the NBA breakfast podcast? NBA, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah more yeah, of that over there yeah, with maybe, Chris. Maybe and, uh, we'll Xavier have Gomez. that. Yeah, maybe we'll have that take because today's game was ridiculous because Steph Curry was getting fouled left and right, and he doesn't get any of those calls. Yeah. But that's for another that's, podcast. That's, it's, but yeah, it's the acting of it. It's the acting of it. Every sport has those things. I don't know much about hockey, yeah. but I'm sure they have those things that that's just a part of the nature of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think right now, this because of the wake of what the Astros' allegations are, because they straight up did cheat in a whole another level, I think we're all a little bit sensitive to it. So in reality is there probably wasn't much of a story to this, mm-hmm. but because of, I think we're, we're all still on that high of anger towards the Astros and that we're probably not going to maybe not get over it ever. Yeah. This is why it's more of a story than it should be. But like I said, I agree. Anytime you can ruin Justin Verlander's reputation, you're going to take that shit. Cause I'm sorry, mom and dad. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, he has everything that I don't, and I just hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's move on to the hot stove. This is another new segment for the offseason. Ooh, and the fire um, was burning the last few weeks, my guy. Yeah, and we finally have some free agency movement. For Like, thank God. I was losing my mind. That's the reason why we haven't put out a podcast in three weeks, guys, because there's been nothing to talk about. But now there's a lot to talk about, and there's rumors to talk about for potentially more things going on. So we might have another podcast in two weeks instead of three weeks. Um, you Darvish was traded to the San Diego Padres along with his catcher, Victor Card. How do you say his last name? Caratini. Caratini for Zach Davies and prospects. Um, who are these prospects? Let's see. Luis Patino, Francisco Maya, Mahita, Mahita. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, pretty much no name guys right now. The only one that's any significance is Reginald, uh, Presido. He's, he was the number eleven prospect. That, well, also that. Zach Davies is a huge get in this in this trade, um, in my opinion. Yeah, but uh, it's a pretty funny exchange. Uh, I don't know if you saw. You Darvish is pretty funny on Twitter, but he? Uh, he actually screenshot a conversation he was having with this with Victor uh, Caratini, where mm-hmm. Victor tweeted at or texted him like. Hey, I heard you're being moved. And he replied saying you too, because he didn't know either. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there's this is at the same time to me, this is everything that's fantastic about baseball right now. When you're seeing a team like the Padres, who were fucking awesome last year, the most exciting yeah. team about baseball. They're going all in, including the other couple moves we're gonna talk about, which is fantastic, great stuff to see, especially a city like San Diego, where when the if the Padres stay at this level they're really going to brace them the only sit there the only team in town but the cubs were the cubs should have been a dynasty mm-hmm. the cubs in 2016 were so talented on like offensively their rotation was good that a fan, great bullpen they won the world series first time in almost 100 years yeah and it, it's it's done we've never and, it, and- and and that like like guys, we're gonna get into it a little bit more in a couple more moves. I don't mean to cut you off, Julio, but I think it's important that they that we kind of set them up for this. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, 
it looks like they're like throwing in the towel. Like like it like you know, there's rumors of Chris Bryant going to the Nats. Um there's Kyle Schwarber's gone. Uh I mean, it looks like they're selling and they're selling and you know, like uh, John Lester's contracts up there, he's probably going to walk. And it's crazy cuz after if you would have asked me after that 2016 World Series, this is like the first time are, are we going to see them here again? I would have told you absolutely yes. We could potentially see them win three World Series in the next 10 years cuz they had such a good young talented team. I don't know what the fuck happened. I really don't. It's pretty wild. It's it's I think the same for unfortunately a lot of teams. It's ownership. It's uh yeah. I I think people the teams just don't want to pay for these guys. You Darvish was the run rep and Cy Young last year in the NL. He had a huge bounce back year for the Cubs. Yeah. And um I'd imagine he's gonna stay in that same shape, playing in Peco, have a big field, have a fantastic offense. He's gonna be able to Absolutely. score behind you. Yeah. Fantastic defense. Uh I don't see him if he can maintain those same numbers, I don't see him not being a top five Cy Young finalist again next year next season. I mean he'll he'll be a he'll be a top tier pitch he'll be a, a, a top tier pitcher yeah i don't know if we can necessarily start talking about cy young potential or not but he'll he'll be he'll be a great i mean he's not even the best pitcher on that on the padres pitching staff i mean he's gonna sit behind blake snell at two and then mike clevenger's hurt when mike clevenger comes back in two years there i mean they're one two three is gonna be snell clevenger you darvish like that's fucking wild. and you're ignoring dennis and lamette who no, have like I a, mean, it, a I two did, five? Yeah, I, like, yeah, that's like they're yeah. so ta- they're so talented right now. Yeah, and we're for, forgetting about Chris Paddock too. Like, their rotation's insane right now. If those guys can pitch where they could, they're great. And it's just like as much as like we can talk all day about shitting on the Cubs for this decision because of like uh, the Reds look like they're trying to sell whatever juice they had. Um, the Cardinals are kind of a weird smorgasbord of a mess. Damn, dude, Cubs keep this team together. They could have made another run, but it's like they're they're not being they're being irresponsible. But here's the thing, Julio. I've seen this happen in teams before, and I get excited over these like moves, and then of something happens like the Cubs, and it's just like, what the fuck happened? Like the past three years, like that team was supposed to be so good. So I mean, let's hope that they can keep it together and they don't make irresponsible moves moving forward. But yeah, I mean, like. Austin Nola, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Tommy Pham, which I forgot was even on that team for a little bit. Will Myers, like they are just fucking stacked. They're top to bottom. Super talented, and with both trades, we're gonna talk about the Snell trade in a minute. Um, yeah, they're not even giving up some of their prime guys yet. Like Mackenzie Gore is still there. Like, what's he going to do? Or like, what can you? If they really want to go crazy, what can you get for a Mackenzie Gore, who's like one yeah. of the top pitching prospects? It's it's wild. Um, so we already talked about it. On top of the Padres getting you Darvish, they also got uh, Blake Snell, who last we saw uh, was not happy about getting taken out of the World Series, and that pretty much changed the outlook of that game and the rest of the series from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, for Luis Patino, he's actually one of the better prospects in their system as a pitcher. Francisco Mejia, or Mejita, and additional prospects. You had to give up the farm for him, man. I was, yeah. I yeah. So I'm not surprised that they, gave especially up two, for how cheap. Really uh, we talked about this a while back, uh, probably offline, not on a show, but his contract was like pennies, yeah, like a couple mil because he's still in that rookie deal. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, um, Blake Blake Snell is? No, he's not. Yeah, Blake, Blake Snell's not making he, he's, that. No, he he got a, he he got an extension from uh from his uh rookie deal, but it's not quite his rookie deal, but it's very cheap for considering who he is. It's let's see. It's 5 years, 50 million dollars. So, yeah, it it was an extension. Yeah, so he has he's no, there's no arbitration or anything like that. He just a couple years into his rookie deal, he decided to extend it probably just to kind of like what Steven Piscotty did back with the Cardinals a few years ago. He probably had like a really good year. This was before his Cy Young year, I think. And just to be safe, wanted to sign a quick um efficient um extension. So, 5 years, 50 million dollars, and it, that's through 2024. So, he's super fucking cheap. So ten uh, what, ten what mil for somebody like we've seen what he can do, yeah. It's a steal, and uh, there's not much we can really say about the race. Patino is going to be or uh, Patino, a uh, Patino. Did you see this coming solid. at all, though, dude? I I was we shocked. Was, yeah, no, I think we knew. I, I know, but I heard the rumors. Body. But I heard the rumors and everything like that. Like we we talked about him with Jessica a little bit, but like. When I heard the rumors, it's just like, what? Why would like I don't understand what the Rays are doing. Like that I don't I don't I, I don't know. This doesn't this is so I just can tell from that because I think they pulled him early in the start before either uh the game think, six or the start before sometime in when the some bad LCS blood or something games. like that. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's kind of like again, what we were talking about before offline with stuff going on with um you know, my work stuff. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of outgrow that shit, and if they're not willing yeah. to help you out, then you got to find and do what's best for you. And he is just in that situation where the Rays are going to be fine at the end of the day. Patino, uh, Patiano's going to be solid, and they have a really smart front office. It's just like the Padres. Like, damn. So, like, so we we made this point with the last trade. How obviously losing you makes the Cubs worse. Does losing Blake Snell make the Rays worse. I say yes. Oh, you have to add on too with Charlie Morton leaving. I think they're our worst team right now. That's and true. Charlie Morton's also gone too. I say yes. Now they have Tyler Glass now and they signed a pitcher, uh, Cardinals. We were talking about him with Ronnie last episode. Oh my God, I'm spacing out. Uh, but like, and for the rest of the team, like what's Randy Rosarino going to do for a full season? Is he going to be able to continue that magic? Yeah. Is a Luis Patino going to be ready to pitch Michael Walker from the rotations? Oh, Michael Walker. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. And it's like Toronto has shown like they're going to be willing to spend. It looks like they're trying to get one of these guys, a LeMayhew, a Springer. Um, Yankees are already talented enough. They're probably going to make a couple moves here and there before the season starts. Uh, I, I don't think the Rays can make it into the postseason again this year. I, if if it's a if it's eight teams, then yeah, they're in. I think they're in. Yeah, but uh, if not, it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be tough for them. It's definitely gonna be tough because then now they're gonna have to go up against the Angels, the Astros. I mean, who else was in the, the White Sox in that consideration? The Twins. Like, I'm trying to think of teams that like are would be hunting for that wild card spot that aren't necessarily. Um, because I would say they're worse than the Yankees. I would think that the Yankees will will, will win. I think Boston's going to have year. a nice bounce back season. Yeah. They'll get, they'll be competitive again. I don't know if they're going to be at that World Series contending level or a playoff contender, yeah. but they're going to be competitive again. So, and then whatever the luck of the draw is for the NL AL Central, that's just like I mean, who even knows what's going on there? Hell, even um, like I can see Kansas City just getting hot. Yeah, 
like it, it just um they're guys who are young really step up again and get on so yeah who knows and um, i mean the al al west might be the bottom half might be more competitive next year when they expand the schedule more and start, yeah. be, start being able to beat up on shittier divisions like the al central and stuff like that so who knows maybe texas could be somewhat competitive maybe seattle could be somewhat competitive in there i mean i i i don't yeah this is it's weird yeah. i uh i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see if they can do it but I don't yep. know what their management's doing. I, I th- you think it has something to do with their ballpark? They're just trying to get a new ballpark, so they're just, or they don't want to spend too much money. Florida's weird. Florida, I like so weird. And and we can obviously we get to the same thing about the A's and the Coliseum, but we just growing up in the East Bay and seeing what's kind of turned. It's hard to build, not just in the Bay Area, not just in the East Bay, but it just it's hard to build shit in California in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you have, unless you have somebody who's willing to go all in, like a Steve Ballmer buying out for the forum and wanting to build an arena over there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what the excuse is for the Rays. They've obviously shown that they do it and they deserve it. Uh, but yeah. anyways, we're yeah. back to Padres talk here on the town tailgate because the Padres also made, we're, we won't get too deep into this cause we don't know a lot about him, but, uh, Hasan Kim, he is from the KBO, the Korean baseball organization. Uh, a second baseman signed to the Padres for four years. Again, don't know much about him, but this is somebody you should definitely keep up with. He was probably the best offensive player and coming out of the organization who was kind of brought up from the org, uh, from KBO. In his five years, he's 25 years old. He's never hit lower than 281. He's never hit less than five home run, or 19 home runs. So if this guy can be anywhere near what... He's producing KBO, and we know that KBO has been, just from watching it this past year, with no baseball to start MLB baseball, it's a very offensive-driven league. So uh, this could be a steal. This could – well, we'll see. Especially with uh, Jay Cronenworth at second, they – We'll yeah, see what I was just about to say that I, I since they are not doing universal DH, I don't know no necessarily where he fits starting wise because Jake Cronenworth is a really good second baseman, so I don't think you bench him. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I don't, yeah, and then the infield is very crowded. They have their three best players play on the infield. You know, like I don't know where else he play. Does he play outfield at all? I. I it, their outfield's fucking stacked. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, he'll. We'll see. Maybe he'll train. Maybe he. You know, a, a nice rotation spot. Give some guys some rest. Uh, watch watch them pull, like, a a fat trade and put, like, Cronenworth and then, uh, like, a McKenzie Gore. Because now, like, everything's pretty filled up. Combo those yeah. two dudes and send them somewhere to get even bigger package. But, yeah, again, we don't know too much. I think this is somebody that we should probably keep an eye out. But somebody yeah. we do know a lot about, we mentioned him earlier, Kyle Schwarber, the former yeah. Cub, uh, former playoff World Series hero for the Cubs is signing a one-year prove-it deal with the Nats. Uh, it's actually pretty funny in uh, our our group chat we have with the uh, Fortrain Savages guys with uh, Rich and Rob Schlatter. I accidentally said uh, the Mets. On a, uh, I just woke up and I said the Mets. I wasn't reading all the way. Freudian slip. Oh, exactly. And uh, and they're like, oh, I would hate it. We, we, we wouldn't want him on the Yankees or something like that is what they said. I'm like, well, you do have him on the Yankees. His name is Gary Sanchez. <laughs> uh, yeah, one. very much a one. huge prove-it deal. The Nats also, we talked about, I think, the last episode, picking up Josh Bell. 
what do you think, man? Like, it's a one year. We, he knows he's got the pop. I think having Soto in the lineup is going to help him a little bit. He's underwhelming. He's underperformed. He was overhyped in the first place. It was just because he was on the hottest team in the league that year, and he plays for the Cubs, and that and the Cubs are a popular team in national baseball media. Um, his rookie, yeah. Anyway, his rookie year was overhyped, and people were overhyped on him, and um, was never really big on Kyle Schwarber. I I never got it, and I think that I was pretty right. <laughs> like I just never understood it. Yeah, yeah, so far you're not wrong. He's kind of a. Uh... Uh, like if Joey Gallo was playing for the Cubs, I think we'd be looking at Joey Gallo the same way. Or some people would be looking at him the same way Kyle Schwarber does, which is they're super one-dimensional. Yeah. He's not a good fielder. Um, he's not a great base runner. Uh, he's got pop. Like if he gets a hold of the ball, he'll hit the shit out of it. And you know what? I got a good example. Um, like Justin Bohr. Like remember when he was the Marlins, he is hitting with no batting gloves and he – had, he hit like 30 plus bombs or something one season and then the Angels signed him and it was kind of like an under the radar signing because it was like hey if this guy can hit in this lineup with Trout and I, don't, yeah. I think Otani was first year and like Pools then hell like this could be a huge bounce back and then he did it and now he's playing in Korea yeah. I yeah I think at the end of the day Schwarber will probably be playing internationally at the end of all this because I, I think this yeah. is probably his last chance also, he goes to a Nats team that's already pretty good. So, like, I don't, I don't like, you know, yeah. how much can he help them? <laughs> and, like, how much can, like, Soto's, I know you're a big Soto guy because you had him on your your fantasy team. And because he's just fucking dope and good yeah, at baseball. <laughs> Mr. Soto Dodo. Yeah. Um, But, uh, like, how much can that one bat really help you in terms of getting that those pitches that you weren't giving to? Soto and it's like and if at that is Schwarber that guy to really take advantage of it anymore I don't think so sure yeah Schwarber's he's just not that guy yeah 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 all right um next up um DJ LeMahieu um I mean there's been so he's been wanting this long-term deal which he deserves for all offseason and there's been rumors that conversations are happening but they're also not happening it's a little bit of misinformation going on and he's just kind of sitting there a little bit pissed off because he wants to play for the yankees but the yankees aren't really like working with him right now um i don't know it's just a total shit show man and if they keep fucking around and doing this like they're gonna lose him um and if you ask any yankee fan that's like the one guy that they want in the offseason is make sure they get lemayhu back because he's been nothing but fantastic for them won the batting title like I don't know what the Yankees are doing, but they so they want to keep Gary Sanchez, who's the most overrated, fucking worst catcher in baseball. But they don't want to re-sign, arguably the second ba- best second baseman in the league. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Who's first? Exactly. First, there you go. Cool. No, like no. The argument. No, who's the who? No, who is the first, the best second baseman in baseball right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I, I, for, I can't think of another one. So maybe, so he probably is the best. It, I mean, I, I don't know who. who yeah, uh, I think. Well, Altuve was always the name that came to mind. Like, anymore, man. Um, shit. Yeah, he probably is. And uh, just to throw some names out there, he's thirty-two. Javi Baez moved to shortstop, so it's not Javi. Yeah, Javi anymore. moved to sec to short. Yeah. Uh oh, I know. Tommy Lastella. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Anyways. 
so he wants to go back to the Yankees. They're tra- he's trying to get a four or five year deal similar to like what Josh Donaldson got with the Twins and what JD Martinez got with the Sox. They're not budging on it. Other teams that have been interested include the Dodgers, Blue Jays, Mets, and as well as the Braves, Cardinals, Boston, and others. The Mets? Obviously, probably not the... Yeah. Well, if the Mets were to get them... Move McNeil to third full-time? Well, McNeil also plays in the outfield, too. So, Hmm. But there's also... The Mets have been rumored for, for George Springer, but it's like... Who knows what this is? This could just be agent speak, and this could be him starting the process because, yeah, we've talked about this time and time again on the show and offline. It's getting exhausting, man. Like yeah. somebody just signed, especially when we saw what last offseason looked like and how quickly it took Garrett Cole to sign at the Yankees. If yeah. you look at and if you're gonna say the excuse, oh, the revenue wasn't there. Okay, well, look how quickly the NBA free agency went with no fans yeah. in the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I think it's a cop out. Um, they're getting their TV money. Like, Danny Vanetti had a really fantastic tweet talk, bringing him up again. was pretty much. We love said, you, Danny. Excuse me. Yeah. He liked our tweet when we retweeted it, um, talking about the A's organization. I uh, but, I interact with him quite a bit on social media. He's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But we were pretty much saying, like, or he was, his thing was, like, there's no such thing as small markets. It's just owners being cheap. Yeah. And it's just kind of shocking that it's 2021 and out of all the teams that play this card, it's the Yankees mm-hmm. for probably the best second baseman in baseball. You should have signed him yesterday. You should have signed him in November to get this yeah. over with and really explore. And yeah. you're not. And honestly, at the end of the day, um, if he's not there, Yankee fans are going to be like, you know what? That's their own fucking fault. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. So I mean, we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll report back when we hear something. Maybe maybe next podcast something will be done, but probably not with the way free agents is going. Speaking of let's, New York, yeah, let's go to the big deal. This is basically the only reason why we want to do this podcast. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the U Darvish and Blake Snell deal was pretty big, but this is the big one that happened this week. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco traded to the Mets for three players. Jose Ramirez. Wait, what? No, that's not right. Who were the three players? Sorry, hold on. Let me um, let me get the full. So the Cleveland Indians, or sorry, the the soon to be former Cleveland Indians, yeah, received uh, Andres Jimenez, mm-hmm. uh, minor leaguer. Uh, the only major league guy they're getting right now is Ahmed Rosario, who's a decent shortstop, as well as Isaiah Green and John Wolf. So more or less. Rosario was a big prospect for them coming up, and he's been kind of a disappointment. There was a lot of hype around him. Wolf and Green are the number 9 and 10 Mm -hmm. uh, prospects for the Cleveland organization, or for the Mets org. And, um, yeah, uh, this was a high-rate robbery, man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all. And Carlos Carrasco was, we know we're going to get it from Lindor. I can't believe they got Carrasco in this deal, too. That's wild. How did they he sneak was that one in there? So he's been oh, at post leukemia, um, going through his treatment. The dude's been so consistent. He needs such a yeah. big strikeout pitcher. Like I, I imagine, I'm just curious on the how, literally how the deal went down with those two GMs. Like, like Cleveland calls him. He's like, "All right, uh, do we have a deal?" And the Mets owner just like, "Just throw in a pitcher for us." And then like 
like the the Cleveland uh, general manager's like, okay, let's I'll give you Carrasco, and he says it on accident, and then the Mets Mets GM's like, yes, done, done, done. Okay, let's do it. All right, I'll I'll sign the paperwork. I'll fill it out right now. And then he just hangs up the phone. Like, so uh, you're telling like, me what did I just do? <laughs> you're telling me they were so easy to give up on Carrasco, but they held on to Rincon for all that time. <laughs> yeah, dude. We like Rincon. You don't even know who he is. Yeah. Oh no, that wasn't the play. Um, yeah, it, it was a pretty funny meme going around. You know the scene in Infinity War when it's like uh, Avengers, when it's like Young Gamora asked Thanos, like, "What did you get?" The stones, like, "What did you sacrifice?" Everything. What did it cost? Whatever. Everything. Yeah, what does it cost? Yeah. So the meme that was going around as the Mets owner, like, "What you get?" Lindor and Carrasco, and the, what you sacrificed is like LMAO, nothing. <laughs> it's just again. Dan the Netty tweet man. There's no such thing as small markets. It's just cheap owners. It, it, it's it's wild to me because I mean Lindor. They're probably not going to offer Lindor a long term deal. You don't make that deal without the intention to do that. So he's going to be their shortstop for the for a long time. So their core is going to be him, Pete Alonso, probably one of the best home run hitters in the league, Jeff McNeil, and uh, Dwight Smith was awesome last yeah. year. And then, and, uh, and, and then and Michael then Conforto rota- was awesome. Michael Conforto. And they got and James their, McCann. And then their rotation. I mean, we, we were talking about, is this the best rotation in baseball before? It definitely is now. I mean, their rotation is going to be Jacob deGrom, who's probably the best pitcher in baseball. Noah Syndergaard, who's been hurt, but still, when he's healthy, he's a fucking animal. Marcus Stroman, and now Carlos Carrasco. Like, going into a playoff series, you, you are walking in there, and you're just... You, you know, for I'm gonna quote. This is not this is not a PC quote, but it's a quote from uh, Moneyball. Like you, you, he, he, he walks in the he walks in the the Mets walk in the room. His dick has already been there for five minutes. Like you know what I mean? Like it's fantastic just like, quote. Yeah, and and it's it's so it, it's just it's I would be intimidated going into that that series. I think there's still gonna be question marks with Stroman. Um, that when he was Why? well look because he wasn't great when he was shipped to the Mets in the first place I don't think he was all that great in 19 he, he set up last year and Syndergaard uh come back from Tommy John he's probably gonna be fine but like how long is it gonna, gonna going to take for him to be at what he was level Stroman Stroman with the Mets is four and two with a 3.77 ERA it's pretty good 2.7? Uh, okay. Well, oh, yeah. We'll see. strikeouts. The verdict is, I think, yeah. I think we're a little too early to kind of, because it, he was only there for a couple months before the yeah. season ended, and then he set out 20 I'm a big Strowman fan, so maybe I'm yeah. biased. And plus, he dunks on people on Twitter, so we're a big fan of that. But um, the reason I, I was kind of, I mentioned these names, and it's kind of funny that these are the same teams. Uh, Cleveland went to the World Series in 2016. There's only three players left on that roster on this team. Jose Ramirez, Roberto Perez, Bradley Zimmer. And yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and it, it was just kind of funny because they're like, dude, they blew up this team. That's all they have left. Well, the same thing happened to their opponent that year with the Cubs. So, Damn, that's, they, that's pretty wild to think about that. Yeah, both those teams are they kind both, of they, blowing up their, their squads. And if you wow. think about it for most – well, I think maybe baseball is just more of a turnover – prone sport because if you think about like well like the 17 astros most of those guys are still there yeah and then but anyways you know folks but 
This isn't a this is a baseball pack podcast, but more specifically, this is an Oakland Athletics baseball podcast. So now it's time for some Oakland A's news. It's only gonna be about ten minutes of Oakland A's news, but hey, you know it is what it's it all is. we got. Like, yeah, it's all we got because there's still, again, folks, still no word from Listella about Listella and um, Simeon. Though I will say that um, I think the market for for position players and but most specifically shortstops in this offseason all starts with um Lindor so now that he's finally moved I think that we can we're gonna we're gonna see more at least movement um in um where we're gonna find out exactly what's gonna happen with um with Marcus Simeon because I think people were wondering a lot of teams who were looking at Simeon were wondering like what is Cleveland gonna do with Lindor are we in this race and now everybody knows who was in that race isn't so maybe they're all right, cool. Well, then let's talk to Marcus and let's see if we can get a deal done with him. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think now that we have A's news, I'll put my A's jacket back on because it was getting too hot, but now I'm cold. There you go. So we'll go. With, we'll do some of the minor um, um, news stories first, and then uh, we have um, some Hall of Fame inductions uh, that we'll, Julio's going to present later. Uh, first off, I mean, Nick Martini, he was a um, shortstop minor leaguer in our system. Outfielder. Um, Outfielder, I think he played shortstop too, though. I think no, he, was he was like a uh, utility. He was always anyway. an outfielder. Anyways, go on. Uh, he goes to the Cubs minor league system. Um, congrats. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I want to take a little extra minute talking about um, Nick Martini he because okay. um, he had, when his times were up, or when he was actually in the org or in the majors, he proved it. I think he looked like a pretty solid guy up there um he in 20 and 2019 yeah in 2018 he actually looked pretty serviceable he hit 296 and obviously not a ton of playing time but uh i thought he was going to be a pretty serviceable dude i thought he might have been a pretty solid like fourth to fifth outfielder option i think we all the reason we all remember him was uh his first career home run was against the cubs in chicago with his family in attendance because he's from Mm -hmm. illinois um, I'm a little bummed about it. I, I thought he could have been like a potential dude. We could have kept around for, um, like as a fourth, fifth outfielder coming into the season. If we really needed that depth, especially with our new inductee into the hall of fame, but, uh, you're a pretty big guy or a pretty big fan of what our outfield prospects are. So who knows? I don't, I could definitely see somebody else easily slide in and take a spot for a four or five outfielder spot in the big leagues. I think the talent of our outfield just moved a little bit too fast for his development. So, like, you know, if let's Great say point. Loriano Fantastic. doesn't be, end up being like the stud, then um, maybe there's a shot for him. If Mark Hanna doesn't have like an, an insane improvement that he had uh, two seasons ago, uh, I think there might have been a possibility for him. Um, had Steven Piscotti not been serviceable as well, same thing, but. Um, or had they even not even made the Steven Piscotty trade? But unfortunately, you know, it's just our our outfield's just locked, at least for another year. So I just um, there wasn't much room for him there. And you know, we one of our outfielders just walked, um, which we'll get into in a second. So, but I don't think he would have filled that spot. There, I don't think there's any way in hell. I think there's better guys in yeah. our farm system that can that can fill that spot. Um, yeah, I don't Chad think Pinder anybody can fill that spot. Um, about the time when we were talking about dudes like him and Dustin Fowler, um, mm-hmm. 
in 2017 when like these guys were their names were getting mentioned in farm pieces we didn't know you're right though that ramon liriano was just gonna fucking rocket up this organization the way yeah. he has chad Pitt or how mark canna's really proven himself as an everyday player in yeah. the outfield um we didn't know that so there's gonna be some repercussions to it i think we kind of saw the same thing with um with the A's finally giving up on like Jarrell Cotton, if you think about it, because when we first got him, yeah. there was a lot of hype around him. He came from the Dodgers org. Yeah. Uh, his first couple starts, I think like in 2018, 2017, people were really big on He got injured. And then uh, Lazardo came up. De- Chris Bassett really took over that. Yeah, the, ta- so. the talent down there in the minor system just moved faster than he could develop. And it just it passed him by and you know it that's just kind of what happens when you have a team that's as good as our team like we were the number 2 seed in in the major league baseball playoffs last year like like you know like i'm i, I hate to brag but yeah we're we're that good like oh, what do you want me to say you know yeah yeah and so best of luck Kyle Schwarber's not there anymore so shit he has a i wouldn't be shocked if he's going to be could be a if not a major everyday guy like a off day kind of guy I, I I think he still he still has some stuff in him. I think there's still going to be a chance where he can be decent. So we'll see. He wasn't the only kind of border fringe a guy to get Speaking a deal. Speaking of pitchers and our our rotation and talent that passed him by too. Yeah. Hey guys, remember Daniel Gossett? Yeah. He's in Boston now. Minor league deal. Yeah. Um, not much to say about him. Just. You kind of hit the nail on the head, the nail on the head. Like it's hard to have these conversations. It's like, yeah, the talent just really passed them at the end of the day. Yeah, and I'm really happy with our rotation. There's honestly no room for him to be like to to be completely. Um, you know, I'd like to have that. Like we keep saying all season, that dog. But in terms of how it's made up, like we're solid. Um, and this is kind of a weird story, but um, in. Uh, Obviously, all of you live in this country that is going to hell in the past week. Except for the couple of people that I know of on Reddit who listen to UK, which oh, shout yeah, out you guys, to y'all. Yeah, shout out to you guys, and uh, you don't have to deal with the bullshit that we have to deal with every day out here. Um, so, obviously, everybody probably saw. We don't want to get too political. Everybody, This is probably your break from that. Um Everybody saw what happened in the Capitol this week with the um, riot and storming. Um, someone made a tweet, um, and Sky Bolt, he's a minor league It was outfielder. actually Marcus Stroman, going back Marcus to your Stroman, guy. My boy. Um, Sky Bolt, minor league um, outfielder for the A's, responded to that tweet um, with a very ignorant and clearly very... Um, um, not informed um, opinion um, on the matter, um, basically saying, what's the difference between this and Black Lives Matter uh, protests? Key word in there, Black Lives Matter were protests. They were not riots. I was a part of those protests. Trust me, I was there. They were peaceful. Um, and it didn't go well. Mark Stroman clapped back pretty hard. Um well, somebody was like, well, that's one less ace player jersey I'm going to buy. And then Mark is like, 
It's okay. He was trash anyway. Yeah, he he was like a minor um, leaguer. He said something about that. Yeah, I you know I'm not. I you know I, I think everybody who listens to our podcast knows our opinions on it. Yeah, um, We're, we don't want to get too far into it. We don't obviously. hate you if you feel a different way. We understand that, and it's your right. But this is um a little bit um insensitive over over the top. Yeah, insensitive, and also a little, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that this person agrees with necessarily your beliefs if you are one of those conservative listeners out there. I think that he's a little bit more extreme than you probably are. I would assume that you're more intelligent and knowledgeable and know your stuff. Um, you know, this is just ignorance. Yeah. And it, it's, and of course, look, we, we've, we are no, we're not, everybody's going to have the same mindset as us. Um, and we know that as a part of a big baseball as a whole kind of has some problems with that, but we've, I've always thought, things would be a little bit different for the A's because of Oakland, because of the history of Oakland with the yeah. Black Panther movement, um, with everything civil rights movements that Oakland has done, we would hope that the history might have been a little bit different for the players. Uh, but, you know, that's that's To be life. fair, he hasn't spent any time in Oakland. He's been yeah, in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's true. He spent time in Vegas Well, as I, and Stockton, and we know how Stockton can be at times. And Midland, um, Texas. So yeah, it's so, like, yeah, we totally understand. He hasn't um, uh, necessarily had that effect. He hasn't had the Tony Kemp, Marcus Stroman effect on him probably yet. Yeah, which I'm and, sure um, they would have set him straight. We, who knows? There, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there might be a little bit of repercussions. This isn't a cancel culture thing, but this is more of like a. At this point, it's hard to be a part of certain clubhouses if you're going to be a part of that. It, we we see that what's happening right now in the NFL. Yeah, Deshaun Watson trying to demand a trade because he didn't think the organization did a good enough job when it came to um, like civil rights movements that were happening this last summer with uh, Black they Lives also Matter. Didn't keep, they also didn't keep him in the, in the loop on um, pers- the coaching or, hiring. Roster, when your fucking and, ro- and roster moves and stuff like that. When the guy is one of the best quarterbacks in all of football, and you don't even get his mindset. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but um, not to get too far away from the subject. Uh, we don't have much to talk about it. You can have your own opinion on it. We just want to bring this up to light. If this is something that is important to you as a fan and you want to form your opinion, whether it is with him or against him, do your own things and see what he has said. Um, we're just telling you right now, this is what happened. Did, um, uh, did you like, or did you respond to the tweet or anything from Strawman or anything? I'm just curious whether if our fans can go to our Twitter page and to if they I did not. You can it. look it up. It's all over the A's okay, cool. subreddit. A lot of people are talking about it. And to be honest, the A's subreddit community, everybody's kind of in the same boat, which is, I would say, like, eh, like yeah. 90% of the people are in the same boat, which is pretty much, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. So that's not me saying it. Wink. But um, that's pretty much what a big part of the community is saying. Again, form your own opinion on it, but uh, that's what happened. But Chris... Let's move time. it on, yeah, to this part. Yeah, your favorite segment, Julio. It's my favorite segment, but it's also my least favorite segment all at the same time. Folks, we have had two new induction members to the former Oakland Great Hall of Fame. Let's uh, hold on. Let's do the first one, which is the player, and then yes, we'll uh, yeah, do the I don't want to. This one is the second one. We have still... a, we have a lot more to talk about for the second. Yeah, one. this is probably gonna be the biggest segment I think is the next one. So. So Julio, the first one is Robert Gross, Robbie Grossman, who's traded to the who signed with the Tigers. So Julio, 
Take it away. <sighs> we would like to welcome Robert Edward Grossman to the former Oakland Athletic Great Hall of Fame. 2019, 2020, Robert played in 189 games in the green and gold, hitting hitting 14 home runs. <laughs> hey, he's not a power hitter. And 61 RBIs, the batting average of about 240. Robbie. In the Coliseum, that, that, that sounds worse than actually. Your coupon to Perico's Mexican food in San Leandro will arrive by mail. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay, Chris, how do you feel about it? Uh, we knew I mean, it yeah. sucks. We knew it was going to happen. We, we knew yeah, it was going to happen. It sucks, but we knew it was coming. It, it, I think what sucks more is trying to find someone sufficient to replace that role as the fourth outfielder. But we got guys in in house that could do it. I mean, Tony Camp and Chad Pender are both well, very very capable. But it sucks. He had such a good season this season too. He was really like the backbone of the offense for a long period of time when a lot of the our stars were struggling. Dude, big time. He was one of the best hitters part of the first month and a half of the season, when um, when Ollie's bat just wasn't there, when uh, Piscotti was going through injuries. He was kind of the more consistent guy. Uh, one thing I think we're really going to miss, and uh, I, I don't know how we're going to really fill it in going forward, was the dude was a consistent fielder. He was arguably our best overall fielder in the outfield. Um, I know Ramon is a pretty flashy guy. He got nominated for a gold glove. But Robbie was never making those mistakes. He's always playing ahead of the ball. Um, he had a pretty decent arm, and that's something the outfield's going to yeah. miss. He was consistent. He was consistent. We're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so you already mentioned um, Pinder potentially get some time in the left field. Uh, Canna, this could pretty much be his job full-time now if Bo Mills willing to sign it over with. I don't think he will because that's just not how this team is managed. Tony Kemp could be out there. You also think about some guys that are going to be in the farm. Um, Dustin Fowler, we talked about earlier. There's another person you're a really big fan of that I can't remember. Seth Brown is some name that's being mentioned. Um, uh, I don't know why I'm keep going. I don't know why I'm blanking, but yeah, yeah there's definitely some options, and I think there's going to be some decent outfield options that might be in the A's pay range if they want to do a one two year deal again with somebody. Um, it, it, this one doesn't hurt too much, just knowing that we could probably get another player as serviceable as he is. If if not, we already have somebody on the same level. Uh yeah, so mine was um uh a Nick Allen or Logan. I mean, I like Nick Allen or Logan Davis, but they're both infielders. But I think they can be converted outfielders. Um, Austin Beck was the main guy that I that I I'm big uh, big on outfield wise, and who's ready to come up. And I of just course. I I, I nope. and and sorry, I I don't mean to yeah, yeah, interrupt you, it. but David Forrest talked about how he's looking out of out outside market for a new outfielder fourth outfielder i don't i mean i just feel like that's a waste of payroll i'd rather use that money to pay Listella and 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 marcus i the, we can t- tony kemp and, and chad Pinner are both m- more than capable of filling that role um and especially if they bring back Listella, then kemp 
Kempen and Pinder kind of lose um, playing time at that position at second base. So why not just kind of like fill them in? And then I don't know. Yeah, that's just my opinion. If it were, I think the two names we definitely want spring. If this is going to be the outfield depth going into spring, I think two names we definitely should keep an eye on was we talked about in last time with Kai Tom uh, coming over from the Cleveland mm-hmm. org. He might be somebody we, we should watch out for. But there's yeah, been a few a pieces point. here and there in the athletic about Luis Berea that he's actually had like a pretty decent offseason, getting in baseball shape, getting in playing shape where he could be one of those guys who sneaks in and um, not necessarily have a Ramon style season where he takes over, but uh, he could become one of the guys who's going to be filling in with the uh, with Canada there. But is he ready to come up now? Because I, I I know he's been dancing around it. I think he just played double A last year, right? Or did he play any triple A ball? Um, yeah, he was well, in Midland I, for almost all all. Yeah, well, that was twenty nineteen, and we don't really yeah. have yeah, that's a good point. we don't really have a scale. But the thing is, like all these guys, you have to think that guys, managers who are in the um, who are in the alternate side or whatever the taxi squad that were down there, uh, they knew when guys were like, yeah, he's ready. Like, this is somebody who's, they probably yeah, just didn't have the room to do it. I've been excited about him for a while. I would love to see him up there. But um, he would be great in that role, actually. Um, yeah, maybe 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 he'll make a move. Who knows? Yeah, maybe actually, he'll, okay, he'll so he was in the Dominican League. Uh, he wasn't great. He hit 216. He did that but, this year instead of minors? Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, no, uh, well, I don't think there's, because we didn't really have the minor leagues system yeah. that was the most competitive ball he was able to play yeah uh dominican league's also like super competitive like yeah lindor or not lindor um fernando tatis was playing in dominican league so yeah yeah um that's how it goes um all right so then we have one more and this one hurts ladies <sighs> and gentlemen and when we say former oakland great like we this is the definition of it this is like this isn't uh parody this isn't comedy this is like she actually is and she's probably um like I don't know. She she she's a she would be like a like a Willie Mays in the Hall of Fame. She she would have her own section. I'm saying she because she's not a player. So Louis, uh, I don't know why I was gonna call you Louise. Uh, Julio, take it away. I hate this man. Susan Slusser. You don't know Beat her middle writer. name. Uh, I I, had, I do not have a middle a middle name unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Beat writer, San Francisco Chronicle covering the Oakland Athletics from 1999 to 2020. During her time as the A's beat writer, a lot of us fans knew we can get great interviews with her through her time with the orgs and learning a little bit about everybody. It's not what just what she did for base for the A's organization, but what she did for writers and women in the sport as a whole. She was elected as the vice president of the Baseball Writers Association of America in 2011. The following year, she was elected as president. And then in 2014, she became a part of the board. She um, was president the year, one of the, one of the years she was president was the year that they um, did not elect a single person into the Hall of Fame. Or not the Hall of Fame, the, um, the Baseball Writers Association. She's on, look, okay, so that's the that's end of the bit. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. But but what I'm saying is, remember the year that that the writers did not elect a single player into the Hall of Fame. She was the president for that year, and I remember her going on TV and having to explain that on ESPN to people. Yeah. Uh, in case you're wondering what she's doing, 
She's going across the bay, which is bittersweet. Going to the enemy. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about we've talked about this a lot because the morning that this news broke, Dallas Braden actually tweeted like, "Hey, Ace fans, I'm just letting you know when you hear the news, I'm here for you." And we were all shitting our bed like, "Oh my we god!" We thought it was gonna be like, yeah, Chapman traded or something like that. Yeah, but it was worse. It was mm-hmm. Susan Slesser is going across the bay. We talked about this a lot offline. Uh, career-wise, this is going to be big. I think this is... We were in the same boat. This is what's going to get her in the Hall of Fame. Is being able to put the Giants name bigger in the baseball world because of their success and being in the big city. Uh, this is going to push her over the top for her candidacy. It's just like... Doesn't make it any easier, man. This is gonna be. This is gonna make her the greatest baseball writer in Bay Area sports history. That's what. That's what this move is. Because it's gonna. She. That, that means that she's gonna cover the two main teams for a certain amount of time. She's gonna have all these relationships and connections. So we, like me and Julio, kind of played this game where we were um, um, comparing writers and journalists and sports personalities in the Bay Area to like national writers. So like. John Shea is like John Shea, who was a Giants beat writer for a long time, San Francisco Chronicle, written a ton of about sports in in the Bay Area. He's one of the probably most infamous Bay Area sports writers. John Shea, we would probably say, is like the Bob Ryan of Bay Area. If uh, if you're familiar with ESPN and with Boston sports, Bob Ryan is a legend. And Susan Slester is now going to be like Jackie McMullen. Like everybody's going to know her. Um, and yeah, like he said, this is, this is a move to get her in the hall of fame, to expand her resume, make her this legendary figure of, of baseball journalism. And that's, that's great. It sucks, but you know, she's got to do what she's got to do. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I follow her on Twitter, but once the giants tweets start like rolling through every day, I might just t- delete her. Cause I don't care enough to, oh, you can't do news. that. It's not. It's not personal. It's just like I just don't want my Twitter newsfeed to be filled with with Giants information because I don't care. But who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, I could see her yeah. um, when it's all said and done. When it comes to uh, what Bay Area media for sports, I think she'll be up on that Mount Rushmore with like uh, like a Bill Monty King, Poole. Lon Simmons, um, John Miller, LaCruc and Kipe. Fossey, like they're kind of like the titans of yeah i mean you're talking about like Jim broadcasters like these are you, dudes who are just yeah broadcasters like there's more with um if you want to talk with, like journalists yeah i mean like i think monty, monty pool yeah. will be in there um tim um Kalkami will be in there one day too like yeah if that's but yeah, she's yeah. kind of like the goat though and in, mm-hmm. in wait and it's she's so well respected around all of baseball um she's so trusted in that clubhouse she's always getting everything she wants and like had such a great relationship with Bowmel and the rest of the team. She's one of the few beat writers that in, in the league that um, when it comes to A's news, um, she beats Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal always. No, like, like, like Jeff Passan probably gets his information from her for the A's, you know, like, yeah. And she doesn't take shit. Her Twitter feed is fantastic because anytime any fan tries to rebuke her or tries to um, downplay whatever she's doing, 
nah, dude. Shut that shit down. So she's such a huge influence. You can't get to where you are now with 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 taking shit. So, yeah. yeah, and and she's a pioneer. We've talked about it when when Jessica was on here a few weeks ago. Uh, the A's like post game media team is all women. It's her. It's Jessica. Mm-hmm. It's Shayna Rubin. Like it's um, I'm spacing Alex Coffee. Right Alex Coffee from the Athletic. And but on Martin that Gallegos. note. Martin Gallegos now has a friend, and he can bro out with someone because there's a there's a new exactly. bro on the beat. <laughs> um, uh, uh, well, how do you how do you say his last name, Julio? Matt Kawahara. Kawahara. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but um, hey, maybe this might be somebody we can pull to expand his uh his age knowledge on the show. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he's uh, if honestly if he's getting Maybe the seal of approval, we can get him and Martine on here and we can bro out for an hour. Hey, bro, bro, <laughs> guys, being dudes. Yeah, that's better than that. Bro, let's go to Jupiter's Jupiter Brewery in Berkeley. We're gonna get some pizza and we're gonna get some beer. Yo, the the fucking uh, the Warriors game's on tonight. Mad Oak, let's go to Mad Oak, bro. Mad Oak, we're gonna go to Drake's dealership in Oakland. <laughs> Damn, I don't know why out. we're I don't know why we're doing like like yeah New they're York, not New like Jersey those accents. I don't think they're those kind of guys at yeah. all. Uh, yeah, Susan Levin, but yeah, Matt Kawahara. <laughs> if she's kind of giving him the seal of approval, then you know this dude's probably is gonna know shit. Um, yeah, I'm sure over the next couple of months we're gonna learn a lot about him. As sad as we are with Susan leaving, um, we're gonna be stoked to see what he's gonna bring. Something new, something fresh, something different. Mm-hmm. And we'll the A's- take their word. The A's beat for sure. It's gonna be a little bit different this year, but um, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it yeah. goes. Um, and I mean, and, and, uh, there was a couple new additions to the NBC Sports Bay Area team as well. Um, some some known um A's fans. Um, they were bloggers before. Uh, Katie Wu, who I'm a big fan of of her Twitter stuff. Um, and you know, if she wants to marry me one day, I will accept. Um, she just joined NBC Barry, which we'll, we'll probably see her on the, uh, on the beat a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some new blood all around. So, um, if you want to expand your, um, A's, uh, content, um, and social media following to get to le- learn and know more about the team, um, those are some people who you should follow. Actually, um, there's another person we should probably highlight real quick. Um, yeah. Uh, you've probably seen if you follow our Twitter account and you're just big on Ace Twitter in general, uh, Ricky or oh sorry, <laughs> Alex Espinoza, he is runs the Ricky Henderson of blogs. Which that is was the A's, other one. That yeah, was the other one. It's an A's blog site. Uh, they do a he does a podcast. Yeah. Um, he just got a job with the with NBC Sports Bay Area uh, yeah, doing social content too. for them. So fucking huge shout out. Uh, we've interacted a few times from here there on Twitter. Um, he's, and if you don't listen to his pod, he's pulled a lot of really cool guests. I think he's mm. pretty good person to like kind of see what we want to do in the future. Um, once you get our feet a little more in the ground and running. But yeah. Who knows? Chris, that could be us one day, man. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really cool that they've, that NBC sports is really expanding their digital content and you can tell that they're really putting money into it by hiring all these new faces, uh, young faces too. So, um, I yeah I I hopefully we can get them on our pod and we can talk with them sometime. Um, 
All right, Julio, do you have anything more to say? Or, um, um, well, that, one of my favorite things, we're, the show's over, but I think one thing we really, really didn't get a chance to talk about, it's been a lead-off thing for us for a while, but now that we're switching things up a little bit, uh, give me something you watched that you really loved in the last couple of weeks, if you want like mm. your viewer recommendation. So I've been binging How I Met Your Mother lately. Um, Somebody's again. in a mood. Again, in a mood? What does that mean? Or just, I think, hey, I met your mother, like, man, I just, I want love. I miss. I will say that it is very, um, it's very, uh, I don't, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, um, topical to my life, because all my friends are in, yep. like, long relationships. I think we talked I'm, about that. I, yeah, I, I and I'm the, only, I'm the only single guy, so that's not the reason why I'm watching it. I just haven't binged that show in a while, so I decided to. To put it on. But I watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Dump. You know, it I was... So it, it was underwhelming, but it, it was fine. It was an entertaining watch. But there are many issues with the plot that I have. Um, I had this issues... And you know, I, I've been saying it, and I'll say it again. I had a lot of those issues with the first Wonder Woman. And everybody just, like, deep-throated it the second it came out. And thought it, like... Like it was like the greatest like movie ever made and like woman empowerment and like yay go but like that movie is just like uh it it's just plot hole after plot hole and it doesn't really make sense the character dynamics are all over the place um and i think that that movie really just like piggybacked on and this is gonna sound terrible but it just kind of piggybacked a little bit on the me too movement um and that got it a lot of success and I'm hoping I was hoping that maybe this movie would improve off a lot of those things, and it did not. And it was it was worse. And Wonder Woman one was fine. It was an entertaining watch. It was cool. Wonder Woman two fine, entertaining watch. Whatever. I don't know. Like this dude, like he gives up all this power for his son, who he's been shitting on the entire movie. Like I just don't like you know like that that one killed me <laughs> at the very end where he's like, no, my son, he needs me. But it's just like he didn't even remember that his, his nice son. Is good. Yeah, but it could be better. In he the was the best the, part. Easily, in the, but, in the yeah. beginning of the movie, it, like his son shows up, he's like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" He's like, "It's your weekend." He's like, "Oh, that's right." So he he shits on his son the entire show or the entire movie. He doesn't care about his son, but then at the end, it's like so important to him. I don't know. So many things. So many things. Uh, that movie was a great example of just because you're a good director doesn't mean mean you're a good writer. Did that's she all. write that's, that? Did she write yeah, that? Yeah, Patty Jenkins wrote it. Her and Jeff. Jeff Johns, who's like a DC comic book writer. What about her direction do you like, though? Because um, part of directing is making those creative choices in the writing, um, though. You know, so, I like, that, that's, that's, the, that's, what I, that's the issue that I have. Whenever we start our spinoff movie pod, we'll get a little bit deeper with this stuff. As, like, you work in the industry and, and all that. Um, and I paid thousands of dollars for an education to teach me how to watch it, yeah, movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a couple shots that she was going at that were like really cool. My problem was it was like, oh my! God. It felt like I was like reading a watching a movie that was written by like a fifteen year old. Like when yeah. Kristen Wiig's character, when they first finally go to lunch together and they're talking, then she's like, "Have you ever been in love?" From yeah. that point, I'm like, shit. And also, I and Wendy agrees with me on this. Gal Gadot is one of the ho- most attractive, most beautiful, hottest women on earth. Mm-hmm. You're telling me over the 40-year time span from when Steve died to the 80s, she never got over him? 
Yeah, that's there was like, nobody like she could like that was. She's getting attention from every guy that ever walks by her in life. Like that, like that's ridiculous. Also, like, I've never seen a movie that was based in the '80s that was so 180s. Yeah, and yeah. then like they don't know that it's Fourth July. Like I feel like there'd be signs everywhere. Dude, I fucking lost my mind. And then like, and on top of that, like just Kristen Wiig's character just her DC. Kristen Wiig's character changes like that. Like it's just like uh, there's no development or lead up to it. It's just like this is too important to me. I don't know. It was it was whatever. Like would I Uh, watch it again? No. If my friends want to watch it, I mean sure. But like I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it. Watch it for the shit show. Uh, I watched last night. I think this might be like one of my favorite became one of my favorite animated movies ever mm-hmm. it's called uh it's lupin the third you know who he is lupin no. the third castle of cagliostro it's on netflix it is Hayao mizaki from studio ghibli fame he made all those spirit away and all those excellent movies this was his dictator dictatorial debut dictatorial dude, debut yeah dictatorial yeah whatever directorial right debut whatever yeah. It was the shit. It pretty much, I uh, was reading a little bit more about it. They're like, yeah, this was pretty much like the inspiration for Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. With either, whether they thought about that or not. Like, it's pretty much an animated Indiana Jones, where it's just this huge adventure caper movie. The lead guy is just very witty, very fun. It, I just had such a good time with it. And as like somebody who like really loves animation and wants to see more of the roots, I've, I've seen all these Disney movies just seeing all this disney shit mm-hmm. i love just seeing the other influences of it and that was a movie that was like fucking fantastic At, this is somebody like i recommend everybody it's on netflix mm-hmm. really cool watch really fun and it's like an hour and 30 minutes so highly nice. recommend lupin the third castle of kigliostro so i have i have one more thing before we go um which you know about a lot because i was live texting you as i was doing it i watched the mandalorian finally and I binged it like I said I was going to do. And I think I said it on this podcast. Okay. That I wanted to wait until the se- season was over and just binge it all. So on Christmas, because I wasn't able to go home because of COVID and shit like that, I, after I like opened presents with my family in the morning, I binged um, uh, Second season. Mandalorian. Yeah. And, oh, my God, it's so great. But it's amazing. Okay. It's fantastic. And it delivers in every way because it just like – Every time you don't expect a, like a fun like um, surprise, they just throw one at you. And I think I can spoil it by now, right? Like most people have seen it by it's now. It's been right? about a month. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. So like Boba Fett's alive. What? Mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else? Uh. His name, like Baby Yoda's name, like what? And like hearing his Probably. backstory. Oh my god! Like mind blowing. Um, when what's her face shows up, I'm totally blanking Ahsoka, on her name. Ahsoka Tana. Ahsoka Tana shows up. Like what? Mind blowing. She's in this series, and Rosario Dawson plays her. Fuck. She killed um, it, dude. And then, uh, and then Luke shows up, and you're just like, oh my god! Like, and they found a creative way to connect it back to the original story, but also not like piggybacking and writing off it. It was great. My one thing, a suggestion though to all listeners: don't binge The Mandalorian. Terrible idea. You need you the, the hard way. You need the week in um, the week off in between because they definitely have a very obvious structure. And I read about it later on that this was on purpose because it's a western, so it has the western structure. So it's 
Mando goes to this new place. He um, um, he goes somewhere because he's trying to find out information on where to take Baby Yoda, for lack of a better word, or find more Mandalorians, basically. He meets someone who has a small bit of information. They need help doing something. He helps them. And at the end, he gets a little bit of information that really ultimately isn't that useful, goes on the next thing. That's the structure for every single episode. And it gets very obvious three episodes in to where you like you start watching it when you're binging it and you like stop paying attention to certain parts because you're like, okay, this information is not important. And you just kind of tone out. So my advice, so I had to stop watching it. I had to like take like a three-hour break because I was just like, I found myself like zoning out. Uh, do it the structure in which Disney Plus gives it to you. Watch it every week. Keep up to date with it. Binging it is not the way to go. So that's my advice. I learned the hard way. I will not be doing that for season three. So, yeah. Fucking as a huge Star Wars fan, lifelong Star Wars fan. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it was like, great. They did, did everything perfect. Very excited. All right, man. Three and Boba Fett show. All right. So that'll call it. Yeah. Let's call it. A, let's call it episode. Uh, good talk. And we know, guys, we'll try to come back when we when there's more to talk about. So hopefully we can get some movement. And the two week we'll f- the two week breaks working well. Yeah. 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 Um, hopefully La Stella and Simeon signed during that team time. That'd be great. Um, so that's going to do it folks. Thanks for listening. And last but not least, Julio, let's go Oakland and happy new year, man. The town tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal. (laughs) And my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.